Hi, I'm Eric, also known as v 47 from the Ranger Command Power Hour and the Starfleet Escape Podcast. You're listening to another great Four-Eyed Radio product. For more shows, check out foureyedradio.com. It's morphin' time! Wallop and web snappers! My spider sense is tingling. Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Derek. And I'm Doug. And is your spider sense tingling? It is, and it's so strong, and it's telling me that as we approach the finale of this series, like it's all gonna be so great and positive and tie up in just so such a beautiful, heartwarming way. <laughs> <laughs> To listen to the show, find us on 4 wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit revengelover.com. <laughs> this is going to be tough, Derek. Oh, because... no. I don't like this finale very Like well, I don't like this two-parter here, generally here's very the thing. much. <laughs> this is going to be tough because it is a two-parter. Yeah. And two-parters are tricky. And I feel like a two-part finale is especially tricky. But I do think... I have distinctly different feelings about each of these parts of the finale, even though it is one story. So that's where it's going to be, I think, tough for me. Because the general feeling is I like part one significantly better than part two. And not just based on like... Not just based on like my emotional reaction to things. Um, (laughs) I do think this... This is an exciting two-parter for certain reasons. Yeah. Except for the fact that we never get any more of the show. <laughs> I'm yeah, I I just very generally am very conflicted about this two parter because there are, I think, some really cool ideas yeah. that it has. I think it's a really cool I think like on paper it's a really cool idea for a finale. Um, like both parts as a whole. I, I think that there's a lot of execution things that are not good in this two parter. Um, <laughs> and I think that there's a lot of stuff that I think, uh, I mean, you know what, as a finale for this show, I think it works wonderfully in that. I think it's, doubles down on everything i hate about it and it's like you know what <laughs> yeah all the stuff that that wow. you really were no i mean and, and i i i'm i'm starting off like super overly negative because like there's a lot of things that i really dislike but there is a lot that i do like too i think my honestly i have stronger negative feelings because some of the ideas are so cool and so sure. good sure that like when it goes in the direction that it does really more for next week than this week yeah. so like we'll have more to say next week um i think that's one of the things that's yeah. tough is like a lot of the stuff i want to say first isn't going to happen until next week yeah which is okay though because i think i i think i can be more positive about this episode i do too i do too i think that there's some really cool things there's some really cool ideas i think 
in the hands of better writers or on a better show, I think this actually would have been a really fascinating, like really kind of um, just, I think it could have been really good actually. um, Even if it was still dark, as dark as it is, Mm -hmm. I just think like there's a lot of questions that it raises and a lot of like things that it, that it seems like it's going to address that it doesn't actually in the end, but that's the thing we can kind of get to as, as we're talking through it really. It's definitely a weird pair of episodes and this one, is an interesting one to talk about because mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I think it's, I mean, it's probably worth saying up front because if you're listening to this, I assume you've seen at least this episode we won't spoil the next episode if you're watching along with us. But like, I think the cut, I mean, the context of the episode that like 98% of it is a dream basically, or a fantasy. And I think yeah. that like, that's a thing that I think we'll have to talk about because that's going, knowing that affects how you see things though. I am curious to like, check in with you of like what you thought was going on at certain points or how soon you figured out was going on or what. Yeah. Cause I think that that's, that's, that's a fascinating thing is just how they, how they present that and reveal it and all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah. um, but that's yeah. the thing we can talk through. I do have some background for it for Beautiful. the finale as a whole. Um, the, the commentary for, for these two episodes, there's a lot of stuff. It's still, they're not good, but there's, there's still a lot of good, <laughs> interesting stuff that came out of them. Um, unlike many other commentaries, there's still all the same bullshit too. Like the, the, I've got a, a horny commentary alert in this one, just like usual, but at least some of the background of this episode, they talked about it and it was actually kind of interesting. They said that they, I think they were, they said they were kind of going back and forth in it for most of the time it landed on not doing any kind of two part season finale. It just would have been in episode 12 and an episode 13 would have been a finale. So they didn't have the, like, they didn't really have a direction planned very far in advance of where they wanted to end the season. They were just kind of figuring out as they went along, which I think you can tell when you watch the show. The thing is, like, since it was the end of the season, they're, like, reaching the limits of their budget. They're running out of money just because that's how it works. So their question was, like, how do we reuse some of the resources from the season and keep it contained, but also end the season in a big way? Um, it's so, like what you should have been thinking the moment you right. decided to do a CG show. Right. I because mean, Because you can reuse yeah. the assets so easily. I mean, I know the voice work is, is different, but, like... Yeah, it that's part of the advantage of animating things this way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll circle back to that point in a second because that's how pretty much how we get this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but lead before they figured out what they were doing, the two story options that they that Morgan Gendel said that they were coming up with. It either would have been 12 or 13 or whatever. I'm not sure which would have been the, the actual finale and which would have been like the penultimate episode before they decided on a two-parter. But they said at least for this kind of end part of the season, one story idea was they describe it as fast and the furious, but with dirigibles, which Stan Lee's on the commentary for this finale. And he's like, that sounds weird. I don't think you could really like like equate blimps <laughs> to automobiles. Like that's not really the same. Like that's the furious does yeah. what it does with cars. I don't think you can do that with blimps. Well, I think cars are, are, are quite famously fast. And I think dirigibles are quite famously, <laughs> famously not. <slow. laughs> so thing is they don't elaborate on what that means. I don't know what that <laughs> idea. I think they just saw a picture of a Zeppelin and was like, that's cool. What if we did an episode with that? And then didn't what, go any farther than what that. What if these commentaries are actually just performance art? You know, <laughs> I mean, I would like, I would appreciate them better. Maybe. Yeah. Um, the other idea they had is one that 
honestly sounds more reasonable for this show. It was like a this, it, it was this idea that like ESU students are getting tattoos that somehow like created a psychic link between them and like turned all of campus into like a hive mind. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, that seems like a kind of thing that the show would do. Like, I think yeah. it makes sense. I wouldn't and, be mad at that. I yeah. mean, depending on what they did, of course. Yeah. And the whole reason that they thought of like a tattoo, a psychic tattoo story is because tattoos are super easy to do in CGI. They said like, you just wrap it on the model and there you go. Yeah. You got a tattoo. Yeah. Um, it also so like, feels like the uh, the perfect thing for this show to do, which is like to equate any sort of like alternative lifestyle with like villainy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, of course, of course. Are you punk? Are you weird? Are you a nerd? Villain. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So the one thing that came out of that story was that like there were psychic characters in that episode. I don't probably the villains or whatever, but the Gaines twins were characters that they were coming up with for that psychic tattoo episode. Um, they decided not to go with the tattoo episode, but we're like, why don't we just use these Gaines twins as just villains on their own right? Like just two psychic twins. You know, pretty straightforward, kind of almost tropey kind of thing, but it's fine. You know, comic book show. So they're like, we'll use these psychic gains twins, um, nix the tattoo stuff, uh, and then they were kind of with the psychic element in mind. They were inspired by David Lynch's Mulholland Drive, that movie, which is a very like kind of dream centered, reality bending kind of movie. And so they're like, we're gonna we're gonna kind of do our episode of that where we can have a two-parter where an entire episode is devoted to a dream that then plays into the actual finale. So that's mm-hmm. how you get this two-parter. Part one's a dream. Part two is like kind of the ramifications of that dream, essentially. Sure, sure. And so circling back to where all this started, the whole like, how do you make it big, but also keep it contained and reuse the resources? Well, if you have a dream, then like that justifies bringing back whatever villains you want and not really having to explain it. So that's how you get a bunch of return villains in this episode, except for one. Uh-huh, um, <laughs> that is my immediate question. Yeah. Especially if that's your rationale. Yeah, so you got a bunch of return villains in this episode so you can re- recycle character models and animations, have their big finale with like loads of characters in part 1 without having to like break the bank by making a bunch of character designs. Now, yes, your question is, okay, interesting. The one villain they they don't reuse that's a new villain in this episode is Craven the Hunter, who, if you listen to our Sword of Shikata episode, they did explicitly say on the commentary, and I think even in other places, like we couldn't get the rights to Craven when we wanted to do a Craven story, so it created Shikata in his place, which is how you get a Shikata episode that is basically a Craven episode, except worse. Mm-hmm. So they mention they don't even mention Craven on the commentary. Spider cool. facts don't even mention him other than who voices him. Don't mention him all. <laughs> my only assumption, my my assumption that I'm making, and this is just me connecting the dots based on absolutely nothing, but I know that production-wise, even though Shikata like, ended up being slated for fourth in their preferred order, in the DVD order, that was one that was in production very late. I think that was one that they were like writing or storyboarding right before the finale. So I wonder if they were trying to get the rights for that episode they were told no and then did it. But then like maybe midway through production, they're like, nah, actually you can have them. But then they're like, well, we already are working on the Shikata episode. So why don't we just throw Craven into the finale again? All conjecture. Also, <laughs> I would be shocked if this Craven model, which is very good, didn't exist for like a very significant chunk of production mm-hmm. as a piece of their wish list. Sure. You know, and so like the moment they were able to use it, they were probably like, yes, now immediately do it. Yeah. <laughs> we're not wasting this model. <laughs> yeah. Which is how Craven and, you know, yeah, I mean, I shouldn't say which is how because we don't fucking know. We're all making assumptions because they didn't say anything and they won't tell us why. But mm-hmm. 
it seems like that's why Craven just kind of randomly shows in this episode. They just pretend that he has a history with Spider-Man. It kind of messes with everything because they keep mentioning like years ago that he and Spider-Man met, which is like, so how long has Peter been Spider-Man fighting mm-hmm. supervillains? I don't know, but whatever. He's here now and he's got a history with Spider-Man. Just go with it, I guess. I will say, I really <laughs> thought that these episodes were going to be like a definitive breaking point for or breaking away from point, whatever. I thought these were going to be the episodes that broke it away definitively from the movies where they just said, you know what? We're not even going to pretend anymore. This Mm -hmm. is just entirely separate. And I was excited for that to be the case. Mm -hmm. Um, And it really doesn't. I mean, it stays in the exact same zone of being like, well, kind of, but maybe, but not really. But what if (laughs) everything that happens can still reasonably be like you could you could you could make the argument that it resets at some point between this movie and the second movie or something like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's always the lizard thing where they kill off Dr. Connors, but like other than that, like major elements wise, like broad strokes, you could say it's vaguely in the continuity of the movies. I also think this show, as much as it loves to kill people with, with only like, a couple exceptions, they could theoretically bring anyone back and write yeah. it in however they want, you know? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, that's all I got production for this one. I have, like, a couple of other things that I'll bring up as we talk through the episode, but, like, I wish that there was really more about it. I think the thing is, like, they really, on the commentary, they really did, like, think that they were potentially getting a second season, so they're probably not revealing everything on the commentary because, like, they're going to want to hold stuff back for what they want their second season to be. Um, So like, they really don't go into it as deeply as I want, considering how many kind of odd choices are in these two episodes. So I don't know. It's all a lot of guessing on our end. I want, I want the tell all I want the, I want the now version of the commentary. That's what I want. I want the, like, you're not losing anything at this point version, you know? Sure. But also all the show, I really do think they were kind of flying by the seat of their pants too. So some of the questions or some of the answers to our questions might just be like, I don't know, somebody came up with this idea and we just did it and we didn't really know what we were going to do with it. And we, and I, but I'd be totally fine with that. Like, I feel like that, that, that offers like, even though it's not a clear answer about thing, like the specific thing someone would ask, it's still like gives you a clear picture of, of this show sure, (laughs) and how things were happening. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I guess uh, we can we can start um, digging more into uh, this episode. Mm-hmm. It is currently available for digital purchase on Amazon Prime and on DVD, as it has always been. This episode, episode 12 of Spider-Man, the new animated series, is entitled Mind Games Part 1. The synopsis per IMDb is Spider-Man faces the Gaines twins while Teradax and Silver Sable escape from prison. The mysterious Frank Elson meets Peter Parker. Ah, uh, yes, Frank Elson. Oh, I can't wait to know who that mysterious Frank Elson is. <laughs> the original air date was September 5th, 2003. Written by Morgan Gendel, directed by Alan Caldwell, Vincent Edwards, and Audrey Patton. If you've been listening to our podcast, all those names should sound familiar. We've talked about them multiple times. Yes, and the stars are sure fucking out for this one. <laughs> wow, uh, yep. Because the Gaines twins so are voiced by Kathy Griffin and Jeremy Piven. I was hoping that they would talk more about this decision on the commentary. <laughs> All that they really say, they they are very proud that they got Kathy Griffin for sure. this. And the, <laughs> All that they really say is that, like, they felt like if you tone down Kathy Griffin's, like, intimation, 
she's creepy. Like she has like kind of a funny way of speaking when yeah. she's in comedian mode. But if you just like tone that down slightly, she does sound very creepy and that's pretty much all they go with it. So I don't really know how they landed on that, but they figured it out. <laughs> yeah. I would love to know the story behind whose thought that was being brought into the room. Cause it's a good thought and they're right. You know, like she's so bombastic all the time that if she's calm, it is sort of unsettling. Cause you're like, yeah. That sounds like Kathy Griffin, but she's not being Kathy Griffin right now. Yeah. And that's weird. Did you um, recognize it was her before like looking it up when you were watching it? I think I saw it before oh, okay. I started the episode. Gotcha. Uh, I think I saw it on like the Amazon description, which I normally don't notice. But uh, I guess these stars were just shining too bright. I couldn't not notice that these <laughs> random ass <laughs> twins were played by Kathy Griffin and Jeremy Piven. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, once you know, you I, I don't think you can unhear it. Right, um, yeah. and, I, and I like Kathy Griffin generally. I don't know. I don't know what where she's what what she's doing now or what where she's at. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for a while, for a long time, I liked Kathy Griffin. So who knows? Sure. But yeah. Um, if you're unaware, Kathy Griffin is a stand-up comedian. Uh, she's known for appearing on a number of reality shows, including her own Emmy-winning "My Life on the D List." Uh, which went for quite a while, I think like half a decade or something. And around this time, she would have been a couple years out from having a regular role on the sitcom Suddenly Susan. And that probably doesn't mean a lot to a lot of people, but it will mean something to a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. uh, it means something weird. to a very like, specific portion yeah. of people that existed during a very particular time. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's weird because, like, I mean, technically any celebrity is somebody somebody could theoretically not know. Mm-hmm. But the people who were on the cast for this episode, I've never felt less like I needed to explain them yeah, in sure. my entire life. Sure. But I don't want to say nothing about them. So mm-hmm. Kathy Griffin, there, that gives you a place to look. She was also... I think, if I'm remembering correctly, quite iconic on a season of the Celebrity Mole. So that's something yeah. worth checking out. Yeah. Also, very famously, had that picture of like her with a decapitated Trump head that yes. people got really mad about. Yes. And that's like, actually, I don't think you were. She was not in the wrong there at all, no. in my opinion. But yeah. That was, I think, 2017. Yeah. Still, and respectability it, politics were still yes. the thing. Were so. still the thing. I mean, even uh. <laughs> I mean, even more than now, I think. Yeah, I yeah, think, yeah. You know, some people who were decrying her for that then wouldn't now. Yeah. Well, and it was also one of the, not to go down a huge rabbit hole, but it was also one of those things where, like, I don't know what Kathy Griffin is doing right now. And largely, I think it's because of that incident. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, she was a female comedian who did something as edgy as, as anybody else in comedy might and mm-hmm. uh, was was really, really nailed for it. So. Yeah. It's really stupid. Um, I hope I hope she's still doing cool stuff. I I have no idea because yeah. I don't know. Uh, and then Jeremy Piven entourage wouldn't happen for like another year, but I think nowadays he's most known for being you know, the agent Ari Gold on Entourage, which isn't to say he didn't do other stuff or hasn't done other stuff. But I, that Entourage was fucking huge, and it came out right after this. So that's that's uh, that's a big thing that people would know him from on that. But he also was part of the main cast on a few seasons of Ellen DeGeneres' sitcom, Ellen, as long as we're talking about sitcoms that mean very specific things to very specific people. Yeah. He didn't do he, like, like a lot of people we talk about, hasn't done a lot of voice work. Kathy Griffin also same, not a lot of voice work. Um, but he did voice elongated man in justice league unlimited, which I find very funny. That is very funny. So <laughs> those are the, the gains twins who, 
could have been Mysterio. <laughs> I know. I had the same thought. Like even it would have been I don't even hate if they them. did it's like just, it just could have been Mysterio. <laughs> even if they did like if they did like edgy Mysterio or whatever. Or like, the Mysterio twins. <laughs> yeah, the Mysterio twins. Like I don't care if they reinvented him or whatever and made him not silly. Like that's yeah. what the show would have done. It's a silly yeah, it is very silly because it would have been inherently like more fun. Yeah. And they also <laughs> have the shittiest designs ever. Like oh my God. I get that this show wants to be more serious and like it was more in line with what live action was doing than cartoons was doing as far yeah. as like what our attitude towards superhero media was. Yep. You know, yep. everyone's gonna be wearing jeans and a t shirt, whether you're a villain or a superhero. Yeah, and the most superhero y thing there would be would be like leather black leather. Right. Like that's the yeah. most super suit that yeah. you would get. Yeah. Yeah. Looking at you, X Men. Um, X-Men. Um, hey, you know what? I, I love like, it. Uh, hey, Smallville too. Like I that's love those the, movies. To, to do, but... do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, their design sucks. It's so annoying because it's like a cartoon. Like give them literally anything. I know. No, nothing. No, just black. Yeah. But we do get Craven the Hunter. He looks cool. His design is not yeah. is not completely neutered uh, for the for the the vibe or whatever. Yeah. Um, and he is voiced by Michael Dorn, which I love. I That's think it's a great choice. Phenomenal choice. And he's not doing like a fake Russian accent, which I think is a, a prime choice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's good. His, his voice is just good for Craven. Like he could mm-hmm. just he could just voice Craven in other things a lot and I would be very happy with it. <laughs> I'm honestly surprised they haven't had him do Craven in other things. Like yeah. it's it's a really good vo- yeah. it's a really good choice. It kind of feels and I like Craven just fine in this and I'm and given the circumstances, which I think is an important phrase here. Yeah. Given the circumstances, like I'm perfectly pleased with his role in things. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does feel like a waste to use Michael Dorn as Craven this. on this <laughs> yeah he's just yeah craven craven is is very much like a plot device and like yeah. a piece to be moved around he's yeah not a character he really is not given much to do i would i i, I would expect that they figured that now that they had the rights to yes. him secured they would bring him back again hopefully as like uh an ongoing nuisance yeah that'd i would be like fun. to see that why not yeah. yeah yeah well michael doran if you're not aware is Worf from the star trek franchise Mm-hmm. Um, so he's the the very famous Klingon yep. uh, on two series of Star Trek, actually. He's one of those mm-hmm. uh, who was on two crews. Uh, and he's done plenty of voice work, actually. He's kind of an exception among the voice actors we were talking about on this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, his first voice gig, I just thought was funny, was for the show Dinosaurs. He just provided voices for the show Dinosaurs. Oh, funny. Like the puppet one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's fun. Uh, he went on to voice Gorgon in the 90s Fantastic Four cartoon, Coldstone and Taurus in Gargoyles, I Am Weasel in Cow and Chicken and the spinoff I Am Weasel, Steel in Calabac in Superman the Animated Series, Mozar in the 2015 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon. Uh, he was the voice of Prometheus on the live action Arrow series and plenty of other stuff. Oh, yes. Um, and good voice, who I didn't realize was in so much, to be perfectly honest. I had no idea he had he had done as much as he did. Oh, he's, his voice is too good to not be in animation. <laughs> yeah, I know. And it should be in more. I mean, I guess it makes sense because, like, if, if he has the voice he has and he's so iconically known as Worf, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this is a good opportunity for him to do other stuff that's not going to be limited by people recognizing him as Worf. Yep. And then we do meet the mysterious Frank Elson. Frank Elson. Uh, who is voiced by uh, some some little known fella named Stanley. Stanley who? Like, yeah, just, just, just you know, like Madonna, just Stanley, oh. you know? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
boy. Oh, boy. And definitely one of the weirdest cameos that he's yeah. ever done. It honestly <laughs> does a pretty good job for it being more than a cameo. His you know? acting. No, because he, he's not playing himself for once. He's yeah. always playing himself. The fa- I think his vocal performance is surprisingly good. Yeah, considering yeah, he's I was not a voice actor. Very like, he surprised. Is a, he, is, he is playing a character. He's, he's acting. He's voice. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty wild, honestly. Yeah. I didn't realize that he could or did or ever had a desire to because you never see him like mm-hmm. acting. You just see him being stan lee yeah 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 even I, even when he is a different character he's still just being stan lee <laughs> yeah i think he does a, i think he does a, does a surprisingly yeah. good job in this yeah yeah me too well let's uh let's get into this uh second twins based uh episode of the of this series oh you know uh, that's funny i did i was gonna bring this up later but since you already brought it up yeah we had met the biker twins in the flash episode mm-hmm. the biker twin de- face design is what they use for frank elson that's why he has that like giant nose oh my it's just gosh. they just use a biker twin and add some extra hair and a couple extra lines to it honestly is a biker twin a, f- a biker triplet perhaps oh yeah uh the biker twins dad um <laughs> honestly like it, it was effective enough that i wasn't thinking about it i didn't i didn't pick up on it yeah. until they mentioned it yeah on the commentary yeah. he just looks like an older dude so yeah works um anyway so this episode opens with a couple of officers transporting a pair of twisner twisners <laughs> a pair of twins ninjers uh, a couple of prisoners they call the twins in an armored vehicle. And their conversation with each other reveals that these twins have mental powers. They couldn't even come up with a cool name for it. Just They just have mental powers, mental you powers. guys. They just just got, got some cool powers that they do mentally. Mm-hmm. And these powers, these mental powers, allowed them to force a guard at their previous prison to brutally murder another guard while forcing a third guard to watch. Uh, essentially... Driving the third guard mad is the implication. And probably the first one as well. And they're transporting the twins because the reason this happened is because the old prison didn't have like a consistent enough or powerful enough electricity flow to like run the equipment needed to dampen their mental powers, I guess. So they're going to a new state of the art, like, I guess for super villains prison, essentially. Sure. Is is what I'm choosing to believe is they were probably in sort of a normal old prison with some machines and junk. And now they're going to like state of the art super villain prison. Yeah, that makes sense. Right off the bat, just want to interject a horny, crea- horny creator commentary oh alert. Right from well, the because top. there's horny, cre- there's horny dialogue in the episode. Yeah. At this um, point. First of all, they are very explicit on the commentary, like, oh, yeah, these two twins do have an incestuous vibe. That was intentional, just because why not? Which, um, why not? I, I can tell you many reasons why not. It's <laughs> fucking weird and uncomfortable. No one liked it. Yep. But why that not? Was, the answer is the easiest of all time. <laughs> that wasn't even my horny creator commentary. This time, it was from Stan. Uh, Stan Lee was on the commentary. And, you know, when they show, when they show, um, when they show Roxanne, Roxanne, that's what her name was. I want to call her Kathy, Kathy Twin. <laughs> Kathy, 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 Kathy Twin and Jeremy Twin. <laughs> yeah. Kathy when, show, when you first see Roxanne, Stan just says, that girl's got a nice bod. Which cool is, wait, isn't that like kind of literally what the character says in the show too? Yeah. yeah. Stop. What is wrong with them? Everyone's bad. It's so weird. <laughs> Men are pigs. <laughs> it was weird in 2003 too. Like we don't need to pretend that's because it was too, yeah. like, not that you and I are, but like, it was weird then too, you guys. 
Yeah. <laughs> just thirsting after these like it's animated women. Weird. These hot in- hot CGI babes you created. Oh, there's so like what are you doing? Who wants to it's hear just, this? It's that's the thing, is like who wants to like like thirst all day on whatever you want to draw, but like sure. we, we don't like that's not what we're here for. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about the show you made, you dingbats. Ay <laughs> ay ay. Weirdos. Anyway. Weirdos. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> They're never going to do the commentary on our show, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I wouldn't want them on our show because <laughs> I don't think we'd have a very good conversation. They don't seem like people that I would want to have a chat with, TVH. Maybe they've evolved since 2004. I mean, I have questions. I just don't think that they, don't think they want my questions. I don't think we get along very well. Uh well, naturally, because an armored vehicle exists, it is attacked. If there's an armored vehicle in a in a in a movie or TV show, it will get attacked, right? That feels yeah. like it should be a rule. Of course. Uh, well, this one gets attacked, and I think gets attacked in such a way that like runs over a pedestrian, like not a pedestrian, but like a civilian on a motorcycle. Hmm. I think somebody just gets like sandwiched in between these, but whatever. Sure. When it's when the armored vehicle is attacked, uh, the mechanism that is sedating the twins in the armored vehicle breaks, which, as they just told us, will allow them to use their powers. And they do this to force one of the officers in the armored vehicle to free them and murder his fellow officer on the spot. And I don't necessarily need a lot of the violence that this show has, but I actually think this was handled probably better than a lot of the violence they do like it's haunting but it's not over the top and it's effective in showing you the severity of what's going on without feeling entirely exploitative like especially since they set up what these two do you know yeah it's kind of like their thing to do this it's very quick like they don't like dwell on the horror of it or whatever like they're not it they're doing it for for the drama to show how bad that they are but they're not like making it the thing i mean which and it's it's good because obviously everything that's coming after it is more interesting than what violence they're really committing so right yeah right yeah it works yeah most of the time they don't really feel that menacing or threatening in in the way that they're talked about so Mm -hmm. uh right off the bat they just show you that this is shit they can do yeah right right and are willing to do Exactly. So since they're unrestrained, both mentally and physically, uh, the twins hop into a getaway van, but they still maintain control of that officer. So they force him to like drive behind them in the armored police vehicle. So when Spider-Man arrives and begins to pursue them, they have him there to create a distraction by driving recklessly and like firing shotgun blasts just out onto the street at all the civilians that are out there, which is horrifying. It's a smart plan, though. I think it's a good idea. Not, yeah. not it sucks. A good idea but it is for a the smart... sh- like. I think it was a good idea on the part of the writers. Like it's clever. Yeah, it's yeah. a clever use of these villains. Yeah, I mean that's. I, I yeah yeah absolutely absolutely. And it's I mean it's just like they're sociopaths, so it's the kind of mm-hmm. like sociopathic thing that they would do. Yeah. Um. Especially since you know if if when Spider Man fights someone like one on one with punches, like they're gonna lose immediately. So like this is their sort of clever way of always kind of keeping them at arm's length and everything. Yeah. So Spider-Man does manage to stop that armored police vehicle, proceeds to chase the getaway van where the twins then begin to directly attack him with their like super mind powers and their purple glowy eyes and their children of the corn vibes. Yes. I actually think they'd be so much creepier if they were like a hive mind army of college students because then you'd have like a screen full of those eyes and I hate fucking glowing eye shit. Like I still Mm -hmm. don't like it. Still freaks me out. Sure. Um, it's cool as hell, but it freaks mm-hmm. me out. So if there were so many more of them, it would have 
exponentially gotten creepier. And I, yeah, I, I think the like effects of it all, they, it does really well. Like I like the glowy effect on their eyes and the sort of like angry look they have when they're doing it. Oh my and god, then, the way they transform their faces for like their powers is actually mm-hmm. really effective. I think it's really good. And then like when Spidey's being affected by it, he like is in this like foggy like darkness, like kind of psychedelic darkness behind him. I think all of that stuff is really effective. Yeah, I I like most of it. I think. They kind of do a little bit of like a psychedelic tube effect, and I totally yeah. get why they do it. I do wonder if there was a cooler way to do it, but you know, it's fine. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Sure. I like I like the eye effects, and I like I like uh, you know most of it. I just it makes sense. Yeah, just the yeah. tube, just the tube. <laughs> Everything else is cool. <laughs> well, inside the van, the twins continue to attack Spider-Man mentally, but he manages to push through their attacks and sticks them with the sedatives which are built into their prison uniforms it's kind of like how how their whole thing works is like they were in a thing but also the sedatives are like it's a little bit bane like but the opposite they just got tubes on them and so he sticks them with their their sedatives and once the police arrives spider-man makes his way off as he normally would but he's, he's kind of got like lingering pain head pain a headache it would seem from yeah. being mentally attacked by these twins or so we think. Or so we think. Yeah, we already we already mentioned that much of this takes place in a dream, mm-hmm. uh, and I I marked on our notes where just just to really track how much of this episode is a dream. Yeah, uh, it starts real quick. You don't know it at the mm-hmm. time, but it starts very quick, and it starts right here. <laughs> yep, yep. But it's seamless. I mean, there's nothing to indicate in this moment that that is what happened. Yeah, it becomes more apparent as it goes along, but I do think I I re- I remember watching it and like assuming that something would be up but not figuring whatever was up started right here. Yeah, like, when so- you know. I'll tell you exactly when I thought something was up. Like I I, I noted okay. that there were lingering effects, but I just, you know, I didn't think much more of it until yeah. something else happened. I do think it's really smart about that because I do think like it's it's not hiding the fact that obviously there's something going on with Spidey's head because you'll see like flashes and stuff later on, like in between yeah. commercial breaks and everything. So obviously, like they're not trying to hide the fact that they mess with his head somehow. It's just like your uncertainty is the extent of it and how it's really going to manifest. And if is is he like a sleeper agent and he's going to suddenly like do something? I don't know. Like I mean, if and, even that, right? It, it, yeah, it, it could also literally just be like. Now your brain's fucked up a little bit. And like, right. are you going to lose your powers over the course of it? Like, is it going to be the, yeah. you know, existential crisis of this series? You know, it's just yeah. like, instead of an existential crisis, like your head hurts real bad. <laughs> right. So you fall <laughs> off the building, you know, I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. So I, I do. I think that was pretty smart about that. Yeah. Ultimately, I, in retrospect, I love that there's no I love how smooth it is. Mm-hmm. I really do, because it doesn't not make sense once, you know, it actually makes yeah. perfect sense once, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So days later, the scene, Spidey and MJ are just like hanging out on the top of a skyscraper. He's got his arm around her torso. Uh uh, And it's all, I guess, supposed to be romantic because MJ is like, I wanted us to talk. Uh, And they talk about doing what's expected by others versus following your heart. But so, you know, it's your typical like wannabe subtext, like, Mary Jane wants to tell Spider-Man she has feelings for him or Peter maybe. And maybe he wants to tell her that he has feelings, but it doesn't matter because they don't really get to talk about anything because there's a scream nearby. MJ's like, you're Spider-Man. Obviously I know that you have to save whatever, save that person, stop whatever's going on. And you'd think that he would just like thwip off, but she's like, 
well, I'd rather not be like on top of a skyscraper. Can you like, you know, put me on the ground somewhere? And he's like, sure. So he pushes her off the building. This is fucked up. It's so bad. It sucks. It's ridiculous. It's psychotic. Like, what the yeah. fuck? It's also foreshadowing. But it's like, what the oh, fuck, no. man? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bizarre. Bizarre. I, whose decision was this? And are you fired? Yeah. Because then it's just like, oh, it was just a joke. Then he just swoops down and he catches her. And she she immediately goes from, like, screaming bloody murder to, like, ah. And it's like, that's not the reaction. You would be no. angry that he pushed you off a building. What if something, like, what, what if he missed? Like, he what if he missed, didn't, didn't catch yeah. you? Then he would, just, he, would just, he would just have killed you. Yeah. Yeah. What if something, <sighs> what if something arrived and stopped him? <laughs> like... It's uh Ridiculous. yeah, it's it's bad. I mean, it's a dream, so like it better. But like, why is Peter dreaming of pushing Mary Jane off of a building? Yeah, <laughs> well, but you don't know it's a dream at the time. It's still right. a weird thing to happen. It's still it's a very weird, weird. Regardless, I don't think it. I don't think it is better when it's a dream. <laughs> no, it's not. If anything, it's worse because then it's like, what's yeah. in your sick fucking head, Peter? That you think that that would be an okay thing to do? Well, I I would say that it's something. Well, I. Maybe this is for later to talk about, but I don't know if dream is even necessarily the right word. No. I think it's implanted memories, essentially, right? Yeah. So, well, my my feeling is that because they do say at the end of the episode, like, that his subconscious was kind of fighting every way through. So I think a lot of this is, like, they're trying to implant memories. His subconscious puts his own shit on top of it so sure. that they have to add other stuff to kind of combat it to point it back in the direction of the implanted memories. So like, I think there's a lot of conversation that you could have about like decisions that he makes within this fantasy sequence of like, whether or not that's like tr- inferring what he thinks versus them trying to push him in a certain direction for the sake of their, their, you know, th- their end game for yeah. this. No, I, 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 yes. I don't, yeah. is this one of those moments? <laughs> I don't know. That's the thing. I don't fucking know that. That is one issue that I have with the fantasy is I think there's obviously things that they're trying to play with, but I think that like it ends up being like unclear and, and like there's ambiguity that would be fun and fine. Certain things are unclear in ways that are just annoying like this, like, I don't understand. Because like, you want to know why I think that is why uh, the way it feels. I think this is a thing they would do in any episode. I think this is a thing they would do yeah. regardless of whether this is a dream, implanted memories, manipulation, sure. a nightmare. I think this show would do this on episode three with an entirely different story. Like, I just think they thought this was fun, which is weird. <sighs> yeah. I mean, I don't know, but I think, I, th- I think, I don't even think this is happening because of the fantasy the fantasy yeah yeah pro tip just you know if uh, if you're if you're courting another person even if you have the capability to catch them don't push them off of buildings just yeah, yeah if you learn nothing else from our podcast or from this episode just remember that don't yeah, push don't people do off of buildings even if you think you can catch them yeah yeah don't do that i will say one thing i do like about this scene whether it's fantasy or reality because at the time i thought it was reality i think it's mm-hmm. it works just fine fantasy um i like that even though this show is so inconsistent about the relationships between people, especially if they're romantic, I like that this scene starts with the brief exchange of you said you wanted to talk because then you don't need, like they could have not talked for however long. And that one little tiny exchange tells you enough to be like, okay, maybe Mary Jane really was trying to stay away from Spider-Man. And we heard her say that they're not a thing. uh, And, and she, you know, prompted him to be here. Like it's a little thing that the show 
usually doesn't do and should yeah. do. <laughs> yeah. You know, it explains everything you need to know of like, the, are these two supposed to be talking? Well, I don't know. Who yeah. cares? One of them has to. Which is really funny because this would have been the one time when they like could have not done that and gotten away with it because it would have just been like a dream right. logic. Like you just yeah. hopped into a scene yeah. or whatever. You know? Well, I mean, that's the challenge <laughs> of doing something like this, right? Is like if you're not trying to tip anybody off. But this show mm. is so inconsistent anyway with continuity. Like they don't even yeah. have the, the foundation to do those types of things. Like that could be a hint in a better crafted show. You know, and if you're going to do like this fantasy dream sequence, implanted memory, whatever situation, and your show's really, really good, your hints can be the things that don't make sense in continuity. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which they they do later when it all becomes real. But I don't know. You just got to you got to be really good at what you do to pull this off. Mm -hmm. And that's all. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> well, later, Harry asks Peter over a plate of nachos. Some real, real dry, boring ass looking nachos. Oh, my God. They look they look horrible. They're, he has barely any salsa that's with it. And then none of them actually like dip it in the salsa very much, despite the conversation right. about it. Yeah. So really, they also really... look very awkward the way like, I mean, I know like this show, it is what it is. Animation wise, sometimes their bodies just look awkward. I don't know what it was, but I feel like both Peter and Harry looked like extra awkward the way that their <laughs> arms were moving and bending to eat them. Like, I don't know yeah. what it was, but it looked really bad. Yeah, they, they probably shouldn't have these these characters eat on this show. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> They've got drinking down, but maybe maybe avoid the actual solid food. Mm hmm. But Harry asks Peter over this um, unimpressive, massive tray of nachos why he wasn't home the night before, and Peter basically says he spent the night at Indy's place. This surprises Harry, not because he spent the night at Indy's, but because Harry thought he was hanging out with MJ yesterday. And Peter's like, I was hanging out with MJ. I hung out with MJ before I went to Indy's. And Harry kind of gives him like a you dog type of look, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, at at this point, just generally in the series... I can easily just buy like, okay, Harry's just being Harry and Peter is, I guess, balancing his relationship with MJ as friends versus or with his relationship with Indy as his girlfriend. Like it could, it could have been a positive thing. Obviously yeah. the episode goes places that transform this interaction. Um, <laughs> That's a way to put it. Sure. But I was hopeful when this happened that why would you be hopeful for this show of all things? I don't know. I just want some sort of positive. (laughs) I I want that thrill again that I got from Marsha. You know, I just I'm now I'm seeking that thrill. The thrill of being pushed off yeah. of a building and caught. I should have known it wasn't around. over over these nachos. I wasn't going to get it. Oh, boy. But Indy shows up during this conversation, uh, which is notable. And they do this thing. They they really trick us uh, because Indy shows up and immediately says, Peter, that's double dipping or you're double dipping. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, shit. Based on the conversation they just had, like, maybe she heard everything and she's kind of like with harry on this one but Mm -hmm. then she reveals she's just talking about nachos okay and then she like is like here observe and like teaches them a lesson but all she does is just like sexily eat the nacho yeah she doesn't smartly double dip like parents teach children how to dip (laughs) twice and she didn't dip twice. She just dipped once and ate the chip. It's so weird. <laughs> it's so weird. Also, nachos aren't a thing that you can really effectively double dip oh. in like the way you're taught. Like you, you just, just 
You just go more, in. Put more salsa. They were just like tipping the <laughs> tiniest little tip of it and eating it. Like, just put more salsa on your fucking nacho. It's not hard, guys. <laughs> but no, she's got to sexily eat it in front of these yeah, two of men. Course, of course. Of course. The, 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 the sexiest thing to eat, a nacho. Oh, like, my God. Probably top 10 least sexy things to eat, honestly. Right? Seriously. It's all, all of this so weird. <laughs> I, I have one interesting thing that uh-huh. I think is like, like intent-wise, because on the commentary it's it is during the scene that the writers like it prompts the writers to talk about how like yeah so these Gaines twins are like manipulating peter's thoughts yeah like they explicitly say that so i do think that like since they're saying it here when it's talking about peter having you know dealing with mary jane and indy that's sort of my clue maybe this is like peter and indy shipper brain talking but my clue that that what happens in this episode isn't necessarily a reflection of like Peter's authentic feelings so much as that they are trying to push him to like choose MJ so that they can like do what they do at the end of the episode in the dream. Yeah. I think, I think, I think it, it probably works better that way, but I think mm-hmm. you could be doing a little bit of both. Right. Cause like Peter has, it's been indicated before that Peter feels guilty about dating Indy in front of Mary Jane, whether he should or not, or whether we think that's a valuable path to go down or not. Um, so it could also just be the type of thing where they identified it in his mind and took advantage of it and just like amplified that piece yeah. and pushed him towards MJ. I think it maybe all kind of works together even now that yeah, I'm thinking no, about th- it out loud. Sure. Yeah. I think that works. I think it's, yeah, I think it's, it's smarter than what we kind of expect the show to do, honestly. So yeah, yeah I think it well, works. I mean, you said at the top of this episode, like, I think the ideas in this episode, in these two episodes, and I think maybe even more so in this first episode, uh, are really good. Like, I think, yeah. I think I'm impressed by, uh, by their ideas. Um, yeah. It's just a really ambitious idea. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So Indy, after sexily teaching them how to single dip a nacho, uh, <laughs> shares her latest scoop, which is... Uh, after, after the Gaines twins were stopped by Spider-Man, they actually were taken to prison, but freed themselves, freed Silver Sable and freed Pterodax, the three Pterodax guys, leaving all six of those criminals on the loose, which I love this idea, honestly, Mm -hmm. reality or fantasy. I love it. I think this is a really fun, fun idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, given how little they have reused characters on this show. So for their finale to involve a bunch of characters they used before and have it set up, if not executed, set up in a really fun way, uh, I was, again, <laughs> hopeful, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be a problem. Yeah. <laughs> they keep Did doing it... things that give me hope. <laughs> I know, I know. Did it clock for you that like Silver Sable no! was just suddenly in jail? No, it didn't. And yeah. I'm so disappointed in myself too yeah. because we even talked about like, is she dead or is she just going to yeah. like come out of the water later? I, it, I yeah. totally didn't clock it. I'm so mad at myself. I do commend it because I think that that was intentional given what oh, they say in the next good. episode, which I it's like good. a lot. I give them props. They got me. That was not an accident on their part. That was like a good, Yeah, that was a good getcha. There's That's like another- one of the breadcrumbs and I like it. There's another thing in this episode that I only noticed because they called it out on the commentary that I absolutely did not notice that I would, I think was actually really smart in how subtle it is, but we'll See, get to that. When we I get think to that. that's the thing with this. Now that we've watched the whole series, not that I'm doing mm-hmm. like a full series, you know, analysis or anything at this point in this episode, but like, I do think like 
even when an episode's bad, if I can see the potential of the episode, that's what gets me excited about this particular mm-hmm. series. And I'm excited about this episode, even though they don't nail everything, just because I'm like, you can you can do it. You can yeah. do it. I know you can. It makes you feel like a second <laughs> season could have like yes. corrected a lot yeah. of issues and could have been potentially yeah. good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. And I think they'd be doing stuff like this even outside of a fantasy realm, you know? Yeah. I think this show would have tackled a, uh, its own version of a Sinister Six. This was sort of a, the prototype for that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Anyway, just as she tells them that the twins were apparently born with their powers as a result of KGB experimentation. Why is this show so obsessed with the KGB? I don't Um, know. Were people into that in the early 2000s? People, I I don't think so. Because I feel like like Russian stuff was like pre 9-11 and then post 9-11, it was all like Islamophobia basically. So like- We're only kind of like back on the Russia stuff. Yeah, it kind of feels very out of time to be like pivoting back to that. Yeah. But anyway, they're also connected to the KGB. And, and I guess uh, the explanation is that somebody experimented on their, or the KGB, I guess, experimented on their parents. And then whatever they did to their parents resulted in these twins being born with powers. Sure. Um, so n- they were never experimented on. No one was trying to do anything to the twins. They just were a, a sort of a, a, a byproduct of this experimentation. Yeah. Um, and as, as, Indy's explaining this a news story pops on basically saying a lot of what she just said so she's like pissed that she got scooped but they're also saying that the police have caught up with Teradox at the ESU Science Center which prompts Peter to suit up and check out and I love that because Harry's there he's like they better not fuck up that science center my family gave a lot of money to that which is a which is a reference to the beginning of the series that was like the whole thing is they were building the science center (laughs) yeah that's good good bit of continuity yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll take it where I can get it with this show. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Also, funny, because uh, Teradax, like James Marster's dude, is named Sergei. Mm-hmm. He's in this episode. Craven is also named Sergei Craven. Cravenoff. Got two Sergeys in this episode. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we didn't even talk about how Sergei was a bad name for them to use. We mostly focused on Alexi. Yeah, I honestly forgot. And then it was too. funny when I, I realized listening back to that episode, like, oh my God, Craven shows up later. There's literally going to be two Sergeys in the so same funny. episode. So stupid. <laughs> so stupid. Why did they learn any other Russian names? There's so Sergei, many. Sergei, Alexi, and other guy. What, like Trotsky or something? How about I don't know. Peter? <laughs> Peter, we just throw that in there too. You know, yeah, yeah. it's a common <laughs> Russian name. Why not? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny if they were if they were just Peter, Sergey, and Alexei. That would be hilarious. Actually, if they did that, then it would be like, well, now you're just doing something on purpose. That would be funny. <laughs> then it would be art. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> also, sorry, I just noticed this note. Um, the commentary actually had more gold in it than I thought. I just think it's funny because we both fully definitely disagree. When they mentioned Teradax, Stan Lee's like, oh, wow, Teradax is such a great name. All the names no, that I came up with, like all the names I came up with were like <laughs> Iron Man. Those are so stupid. Teradax is so cool. And I'm like, Stan, what the fuck, dude? Come on. No. <laughs> no, Teradax is, okay, Teradax has potential. So, and I recognize that. You kind of convinced me that it had potential. Mm-hmm. But I still think it's a clunky poorly used and completely irrelevant name <laughs> it's bad for a group and it's bad for these characters yeah 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 <laughs> anyway <laughs> stan no 
I know. He's really just just uh, showing his ass on his commentaries, honestly. No, he's he's doing it. I mean, aside from, I, well, honestly, probably would wrap it all in one. He's 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 being a salesman through and through, oh, I feel, it sounds that's like. That's what it is. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. like, wow, that character is so hot. Good job, guys. Oh, my God. Terex is such a great name. Holy shit. No, that's that's exactly what it is, <laughs> which isn't great either. But that's no, what he does. It's consistent, I, though. Yeah, that that's him. That's his vibe. So whatever. Yeah. Honestly, I would probably be like pretty fucking psyched. Uh, I don't know. Maybe not. <laughs> what? Just, just seeing like it, it'd be so weird to be somebody like Stan Lee or, or or Steve Ditko and like see everything that gets like made out of what you created. Yeah. You know? Well, Steve Ditko would probably hate it. But that's true. That, that's <laughs> a very good point. I actually, would go that yep. far. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, actually, that 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 provides perspective on the point I was uh, failing to make. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. That good perspective. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. <laughs> oh God. Um. Where were we? So yeah. So Teradax at the SU Science Center. Spidey arrives. Uh. Terad- he sees the Teradax is taken hostages. One again. Once again. Who knows why. It doesn't matter. It's just, you know, for an action sequence for him to fight Teradax again, basically. Yeah. Um, he puts a stop to it pretty quickly. At one point, he literally, like, kicks a Teradax through the, like, the roof of the building that looks like it's concrete. So do you just, like, mm-hmm. kick a guy through the concrete? Yeah. It's sure fantas- did. It's a fantasy reality. So there you go. Explain um, the <laughs> um, No Way Home has people smashing each other through the floor like multiple times. That's true. But they're all super powered. <laughs> These dudes just have like a suit on. And yeah. I don't know. It's It felt different, but that's true. It's a perfect circle. I will say it's it's a very beautifully, <laughs> you know, smashed through circle. Also, yeah. it's funny. I didn't really think about it until now. It Initially, I thought it was like funny that they just like took hostages again for no reason. Mm-hmm. But it actually makes once again sense in this in this context of being a non-reality yeah if it's based on peter's consciousness but Mm -hmm. then just sort of like built upon it actually kind of makes sense that this is what they'd be doing yeah this is like what he knows of them it's like oh these are the guys that take hostages you know yeah yeah i I know i think that's actually i think it's very smart yeah Uh, i think that works great much cleverer than i initially realized Mm -hmm. absolutely um, but yeah, I mean the fight, the fight's done pretty quickly, but the important thing is that there is like pretty big damage caused to this like in construction science center. So there's like a massive piece of the signage falls down. It nearly crushes Harry and it hurts uh, one of his arms. Yes. Huge yeah. signage. Cause this is like yeah. a skyscraper. This is like the type of signage you put on the side of a skyscraper that you're supposed to be able to read from like the other side of the city. It's huge. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I will say too, you see the arm that looks like Harry hurt uh, is his left arm. Oh no. Keep that, keep that in mind oh, for no. later on. <laughs> no, it's actually a positive. We'll get into it later. Is it? Remember when they swapped uh, Christina's model? <laughs> okay. It is, but they, they claim that that was intentional to give you a clue that it was a dream. Okay. That it's a mis- and, and actually I believe them given, see, I actually believe them because then the next episode, that is something that they like flashback to when Peter's realizing that there was something up with the dream. Like they show the cast like flipping onto arms. I'll believe so, them. I'll believe them. Yeah. But that's when I say you have to be really good at what you do to pull off an episode like that, like mm-hmm. this, that's what I mean. 
<laughs> yeah. That was going to be the other like very subtle thing because I didn't notice that at all. I didn't. And I, I certainly didn't. It was didn't. a mistake. I think, though, that like I like that idea. I wish that they'd done more of stuff like that because that's the but only thing that they point out. just mistakes they would have made in any right. other episode. But, but, if they the made a sh- but if they made a shit ton of them, if it was yeah. like Like a wacky chain, Wednesday type of situation. Right. If it's like, cause, and there's one other thing that I'll mention that I think that they kind of whiff it on in that they're, where they're trying to give you a subtle hint and I'm like, sure. that doesn't play. But like if they did something like that where it's like animation mistakes and characters acting weird or saying something weird or like a continuity mistake, like the silver sable thing. Um, if they done, if they did, if they like doubled down on that in this sequence and then at the end it's a dream. And then like you even have Peter like recalling those mistakes. I think that would have been really fucking cool. Yeah. And, and it wouldn't be asking for much because they're doing it a little bit. I just don't think they're doing it enough because I don't, well, you don't pick up on that stuff. You know, that's like, honestly, I feel like that's a lot of what my criticism of the show is like the best stuff they do. They don't do enough of, you know? Yeah. So it only, it only makes sense. Also this type of episode, if they really maximize its potential where they're intentionally making continuity mistakes, but they have managed to not, not tip you off to the fact that something's going on would be so funny in 2022. Because yeah. I can just imagine the live tweeting happening, like while an episode like this is ha- like everyone would be so angry, yeah, uh, and it would it'd be like you know egg on your face, like yeah, we, we knew the whole time. <laughs> well, people people would be shitty that this episode was all a dream anyway, and be like, well, it was pointless. It doesn't matter, even though like it was for a reason. Because anytime there's an episode that's a fantasy in any way, people go fucking ballistic yeah. about it because it's not moving. Yeah, the plot stop along doing that. Stop. It's it, just like any other device; it can be done well or or poorly. Yeah, yeah. That's this a is a good comment. swing. No, I agree. I think this is this is a, this is a good version of it. Even if they fail at certain things, yeah. And again, I think they fail in where it leads to next week. This, on its own, as an idea mm-hmm. and as a concept, is a good direction to take it, and it's yeah. a good reason to do it. Big agree. It's a it's yeah. a fun way to utilize otherwise incredibly boring villains. <laughs> uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> it is. <laughs> yep. It really is. <laughs> and they are. <laughs> They really are. <laughs> well, well, at their apartment the next day, Peter is confronted by Indy and MJ together, uh, who tell him there's no two-for-one special and that he needs to decide which one of them he is dating. And I, I'm going to be honest, when this wow. happened, I was mad, Derek. Oh, I sure. was mad. I was like, no, we've... We've established this. We've I was I was the angry live tweeter, you know. Sure. Where I was like, stop doing this show. Stop doing this. But again, if they had just done a better job of all of this earlier, <laughs> mm-hmm. this could have been a clue and not just me being like, You're doing this again? <laughs> yeah. Cause this feels really believable that these two would would sort of um eventually put the pieces together and and mm-hmm. go from like enemies to friends to like Peter, you got to choose to like now you get none of us because you can't decide. Like it feels right. like something that would fit in, um, and they've been so inconsistent in defining what Peter and MJ's relationship is mm-hmm. that I just I took it at full face value that they were like a thing and that he was double dating, like that yeah. he was double dipping. Yeah, and it's even been kind of like as much as I love Indy, it has been kind of vague exactly what she thinks of Mary Jane. Like, does she yes. like? we don't get the impression that she feels threatened, but we also don't really get the impression that like she feels anything about it because we don't really know like what's happening with that. So they don't continue to hang out after that episode. Right. Right. Yeah. There's the one episode where they have like interactions and they kind of bicker a little bit, mostly from MJ and then get over it. But like, 
we don't really know exactly where they landed at the end of that really. So yeah, yeah this won't make you feel better either. Horny creator commentary alert number two for God this one. Damn it. Um, I think this is, I don't think there's one in the next episode. Surprised. I, I think this is the last one. Um, for one, I forgot who says it. Somebody's like, this scene is hot while Mary yeah. Jane and Indy are like, have their arms around each other or whatever. Because they did it on, they, they linger on it for just enough yeah. of a moment for every horny, well, anybody attracted to women who's like, these are hot, right? Yeah. These, these models are hot. They yeah. linger just long enough for you to be like, Ooh, I want to see these two girls kiss so bad. Fan art though. Like- yeah. And they said that um, they wanted to originally have Peter like sandwiched between the two of them. Like they would be like squashing him from either side as they're talking to him um, just to amp up the horniness, I guess. That probably would have tipped me off. Someone, some, They said someone up top. They didn't say who. I'm assuming Marvel rather than MTV nixed it. And then Stan is like, I wish that were me. Stop. Yeah. Stop. It's it's only annoying because they because I don't know. I don't know. I guess this this episode it, it bleeds into the episode, so it would probably be annoying if I didn't know the commentary as well, but mm-hmm. just take a cold shower, guys. Relax. Yeah. <laughs> Go outside. <laughs> it's oh, so boy. weird. Oh, They're boy. being so weird. But I will say it elicited exactly the reaction it was supposed to, where I was like, what? what is going on? And then once you know, you're kind of like, Oh, interesting. Yeah. Now this, this Derek is when I started to think something was going on, Sure, but not what the show did. I didn't figure out what was going on. I just, I, I started to theorize, right? Because then Mm -hmm. you get this really weird vision like the presumably Peter has this vision uh, and it includes MJ falling a skeleton screaming. What the fuck is that? I don't know, but I'm obsessed with it. Um, Spider-Man waking up and it's all to the soundtrack of MJ and Indy saying no two for one special, just sort of like echoing in the background. It's like a weird CGI psychedelic horror sequence, but it's very brief. And then it just cuts to the bugle. So, I, my initial thought was, oh, like sleeper agent. I I thought you you mentioned that earlier. That was my initial thought. Or I thought that, that, yeah, I guess sleeper agent would apply just like that. They had, they had implanted some sort of control over him or that he was just blacking out and doing things regardless of what their influence was over it. So I wasn't at the point where I was doubting anything I had seen yet. But I did think it was going to culminate at some point in like, okay, at some point we're going to see what like what happened in between, you know? Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be sort of like, I don't know, this is, we don't, this is dangerous to do a topical reference like this. But like, I, I, I maybe because I was watching Moon Knight, I was expecting some of that vibe where like sometimes you just don't really know what's going on in that mm-hmm. show. Sure. I was kind of expecting some of that from this where it was like, everything that's happening is happening. We're just missing stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. That totally makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. I think, I think that's definitely, that seems like that maybe that's, that's kind of what they're trying to lead you to at this point, or at least something in that direction. Yeah. Hello, amazing friends. We just wanted to take a quick moment to thank our spectacular enough patrons, Bo, Eric, Carl, Katie, Mike, and Lillian. If you would like to support our show too, our way of saying thanks is by giving you lots of cool Spidey goodies. 
You'll have early access to all our episodes, including our AMAs, where we answer your burning questions about anything and everything. And we mean everything. If you join us at our $5 spectacular level, you get to hear us let loose and talk about wackier stuff in our After Dark commentaries or our movie commentaries, where we watch every single Spidey-related theatrical film, from the Raimi films to Amazing Spider-Man to Spider-Verse, Venom, Avengers Endgame, and more. And at our amazing tier, we'll invite you to be a guest on our show. That's right, you. You all make our show better, whether it's by sending us Word Snappers words, making us fan art, joining our Discord community, or just listening to us every week. This is our way of saying thank you for supporting this show and inspiring us to dip into media even we didn't realize was on our radar. Whatever tier you opt into, thank you so much. Whether you're an avid listener or just stopping by, we appreciate you. From your friendly neighborhood podcasters, thank you. So yeah, so like you said, it just kind of cuts to the bugle. There's no, there's no, just like kind of like a dream. He just kind of shows up another scene with no resolution to what was just happening with Mary Jane and Indy. And Peter's delivering photos of Teradax to JJ. And JJ is like, oh, by the way, Craven the Hunter is also loose after having been defeated by Spider-Man previously. Okay. And sent to a Ukrainian gulag. Okay. Um, JJ oh, also- fuck. This is one of the clues, isn't it? Is it? Wait, what's the, what? the next thing you're about to say is one of the clues that this is a dream, isn't it? Do oh, they yeah, I guess I, I didn't know they didn't mention this. I didn't think about it. But yeah, I guess so. Because JJ says if Peter can get Craven picks, he'll double his rate and calls it a two for one special. Which, by the way, isn't what a two for one special means, which no. I guess could have also been a hint. Yeah. But the fact that JJ is offering twice his rate. I didn't think about that. But yeah, that makes sense. That's got to be why they included that line, right? Yeah, actually, I think that's that's smart. They they, yeah, they didn't call that out. But I, 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 I think I like that. Yeah, I like that. I like, like the that. one good use they've had for JJ. <laughs> he also like says that he likes martinis and I'm like, JJ Jonah Jameson, I don't think he drinks martinis. No. Like nothing against martini. He just does not seem like a martini guy. Whatsoever. I don't think he drinks like anything other than whiskey. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I don't think he drinks that much of it. <laughs> sure. He's too busy. <laughs> yeah. He's got cigars to, to collect and smoke, you know? Exactly. <laughs> But I, yeah. I was really bothered at the time. Again, when I thought everything was happening like for real, I was so bothered that he called it a two for one special. I was like, that's not a two for you offering twice the rate for a single set of pictures is not a two for one special. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense, JJ. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, <laughs> Add no, it to the totally list of things I was upset about that I don't need to be upset about because none of this is real. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, and, and because he says that, it triggers Peter's memory of Indy and MJ, which kind of upsets him enough to refuse Jonah's offer of a doubled rate, which is weird. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But every interaction he's had with JJ has been poorly written, so I didn't really question it. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right. Now, an actual two-for-one special that's happening is Silver Sable and Craven together. Hey. There you go. Um so they are actually together watching Peter Parker as he leaves the bugle and Sable lets Craven know like, Hey, I know from my experience, Peter is a friend of Spider-Man. So if we follow him, we're going to lead us to Spider-Man. Right. And we both want to get revenge on him for the years you spent in a gulag, Craven. Sure. Craven prepares to shoot, uh, to shoot Peter with a poison dart on the spot. Uh, and Sable stops him saying he needs to kill Peter in front of Spider-Man. For that kind of revenge. Cool. So speeders up uh, speeders. Peter's spider sense alerts him to danger. So he runs and they follow. Here's, um, hmm. Here's a question. Yeah. And I haven't been thinking about it until this point. 
in a in an episode where the majority of it is a fantasy narrative or a dream narrative or a fake narrative inside Peter's mind, it is a little weird that we get a scene with Sable and Craven having a conversation that Peter's unaware of, no? Um, I guess so, but I mean, it's also like what he would be assuming is happening, I guess, is the setup to make his dream make sense. Like, I think that you can sort of bend the rules for that a little bit, because obviously you have to strike a balance between making it make sense for the audience. Yeah. You might, you would need some context for what's going on and why these two are here and, and, and attacking. And I think it's like, I think... I don't know. It, like, it's weird if you're thinking of it like actual dreams or any kind of fantasy, because theoretically, yeah, it should all be from 100% Peter's perspective. He should never not be in a scene. I do agree with you for that. I can, I'm okay with letting it slide because I, like, I am ultimately, because I like what they do here. Yeah. And it's kind of like a manifestation of Peter thinking about how they probably would interact and why they would be after him in this like dream reality he's having. Like, yeah, and I think he's, I'm fine with that. He's quickly alerted to their presence. So mm-hmm. if you're, if you're thinking of it as purely like an implanted memory situation, yeah. then it, it doesn't, none of it technically needs to be from his perspective or in his right. immediate vicinity. Right. Random commentary thing. They said that like when Peter's running from them and is like dodging cars in the street, they said that that was an homage to Bowfinger for some reason. Do they, I do they know what homage is? I don't know. What did they, didn't they, what was the thing that they said was like based on the, the uh, born identity, born it was like identity a fight, or fight like, sequence was like a reference to it. And it's yeah. like, I mean, maybe, I don't know. Like, sure. Say so. It's so weird. <laughs> the references are so strange. They are because they're not iconic. No. I mean like, or, or rather the things they're being inspired by, they're not pulling iconic things from them. You know and what it's I mean? something that really like, add, like, I don't know, Peter like dodging cars as he's running across the street doesn't really like add anything to it. <laughs> like, Okay, he could just jump over them, but yeah. sure. I mean, I honestly, it's framing, right? If they had literally just said, like, oh, you know what? I had the idea to have him, you know, do this because I was watching this movie the night before. Then I would have been like, oh, that's fun. Like, so it's, I that's guess fair. it's just the way they frame things. That yeah, like, that's true. It's just the way they kind of say it. Why are you yeah. saying it the way you're saying it? Yeah. But, um, but yeah, Peter loses both Craven and Sable in an alley, so he takes the opportunity to suit up and then confronts them. They have a, they have a fight, and this is a thing that I think that they – don't do well because they say explicitly on the commentary that they let some of Spider-Man's movement be like bigger and wackier than normal. Like it doesn't follow the usual physics when he's fighting Sable and Craven. I don't think that's obvious. I don't think that at all. No, I, I still watched it after they said that. And I'm like, it doesn't look any different than how we normally fight. So what did you do differently? Again, you have to be incredibly good at what you do. If you're going to try to do what they're saying they're doing here. Because I like that idea. Like, yeah, <laughs> Me if, too. If, it's, if it's his fantasy and his subconscious is in it, he'd want it. He'd he's always going to think of himself yeah. as fighting better than he does. Like, it's I I think that was a cool idea. But then, like, you have him do some wacky web shit or crazy flips in the sky or whatever. Like, you know, go what, for though? it, man. I will give them points no matter what because here's the thing: there are things about Into the Spider Verse I did not perceive consciously, like in the front of my brain. Mm-hmm. That now that I know them, I'm like, oh fuck, that's really smart sure um it they they don't get as many points obviously as a perfect movie but like (laughs) to even have the idea to like change the way they're animating something in like a subtle way it needed to hit harder obviously like you should be able to see it once you know but it is it is pretty fascinating that they even had that thought yeah yeah it's it's a good thought they get a point they don't even get plural point 
yeah, just just for you know th- for the thought and for the attempt, yeah. even though it do- seemed like a pretty poor attempt. Yeah. But you know, <laughs> I'm I'm admire I'm really admiring the swing. Like the more we talk yeah. about it, the more I'm I already admired the swing. Yeah. Um, I wish they had you know really nailed a grand slam with the swing, but yeah, I appreciate. I appreciate all they put into it. This is why it's good to talk about your episode on your audio commentaries if you're going to do oh my, it. Because what? then we're going to understand your episode what? a little more and maybe be more forgiving what? when we actually know what you're talking about. What? Don't be ridiculous. That uh. or we're just going to be annoyed that you're just like being super like horny on the commentary. One or the other. But like, you know, yeah. either well. way. <laughs> <laughs> Again, framing. They could have literally said, you know, I based this model off of, you know, Cindy Crawford, who I had a poster of in my bedroom as a kid. Yeah. And I would have been like, oh, that's a funny piece of horny and like trivia. Yeah. Again. Like, I get it. I mean, you're, yeah, I, I get, I get creating characters you're horny for. That is nothing wrong with that. Not every, at all. I think our, every artist should do that. But like, I, I, it's just like the way that they talk about it. And it's just very much out of the perception like it doesn't seem like they care it's about like the characters weird, they created. It's like weird drooly bro-y behavior. Yeah, that's what it is. That's what it is. It really is just it's it's like objectifying the characters that they created that they should like care about and know intimately, but it's just like isn't this isn't the lady we made it like isn't she a babe and she's really hot? I think she's so hot. Yo, isn't she a babe? Aren't you going to jerk off to her later? Right. Like, like that's <laughs> that's the nuance there, you know. It's it's sort of yeah, it's sort of weird. Like, I don't know. It's whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I will always be a proponent of like, be horny when you're horny. That's cool. But just, there is always a, there is a time and a place for horny yeah, <laughs> and a way, and a so. way to present it as well. I would well. say so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. So yeah. So they're, they're fighting. Um, the fight's very quick. He, uh, Spidey makes very quick work of Sable. And uh, Craven gets a line where he's like, I've always wanted to see Sable tied up. That's a fantasy of mine. Do you <laughs> think this just... episode is especially horny because they were treating it like a dream? Maybe. 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 There's just so many horny in-universe yeah. lines. There's a lot. There's a lot of it. Yeah. yeah. But but yeah. So uh, when the police arrive, Craven bails, leaves Sable high and dry, and she shouts after him, remember, there are other ways to get revenge on Spider-Man. I like her line reading of that a lot, actually. It's very, like, over the top, but in a way that I like a lot. Yes. Um, and Spider-Man does hear this, but, like, what can he do about it? You know? Right. <laughs> I don't know what these weirdos are talking about. Right. People are trying to kill me all the time. Exactly. Well, later Spider-Man checks in on MJ, which she finds very flattering. She's like, oh, you wanted to check in on little old me, huh? And they briefly talk about other folks that Spidey keeps an eye on. This is probably... Probably me. Well, nah, this isn't really a, a, a clue at all, but he, he mm-hmm. pretty much just mentions all the people we expect already, right? Her, yeah. Harry, and then he mentions Peter Parker, and that clicks for both of them in different ways. Like, MJ's like, oh, Peter Parker, is he, like, in danger for, or something? And then for Spider-Man, mentioning Peter Parker and mentioning the people that's keeping tabs on, it sort of clicks into place for him, like, oh, shit, like, I'm just constantly following them which means I'm just bringing all my shit to them, kind of. Um, and so he's like, man, maybe I'm just putting you in danger. And then MJ's like, are you telling me that I should like avoid you and Peter because of danger? <laughs> like, it's just, yeah. it's it's all weird. They kind of have like similar or like complimentary realizations at once. 
Mm-hmm. And this all gets re- like strange and weird. And so Peter's like, you know what? The easiest way to like avoid any of this weird communication we're happening right now is this. And he pulls, Sp- Spider-Man pulls MJ into an alley and he unmasks so that there is no confusion over why he cares about her, uh, why he cares about Peter Parker. She doesn't have, he- he's not putting her in the position of like having to decide whether to pay attention to Peter, pay attention to Spider-Man, pay attention to neither, pay attention to both. Like it just, it levels everything out. Right. This is when it's obvious that it's a dream, right? Like the fact that he unmasked in front of her, at least for me when I, I remember no. watching it. Really? Really? I, this is where I thought like, oh shit, they're really just deciding this is oh, not dang. part of the movie universe. I mean, okay. I still thought weird shit was going on. Mm-hmm. Like I, But I didn't think that every... I, I still wasn't questioning the events that were in front of me. I was still taking everything at face value. So I just yeah. thought that they... Especially because I knew Craven was, was in the future at some point. Sure. I really just thought that like they got the go ahead to do whatever they wanted and that he was going to reveal who he was to MJ. Hmm. Yeah. I remember watching it the first time and just assuming like, Oh, then that at least this section of it is a dream. Cause I don't think that they would, I just assumed that they wouldn't do that. <laughs> but I mean, I, I was, I was very surprised. I mean, yeah. I, it, it wasn't something that I, I yeah. uh, took lightly, I guess, but sure, I, sure. I believed them. I don't know yeah. why I trust this show ever, but I did. <laughs> it's usually not that deep, <laughs> like yeah. this show. You know what I mean? Right, right. Like, All right, I guess that's what this show's doing. That's that. I mean, that is a good point. That's actually, I think that actually is a good way to put it because it's like there's usually not <laughs> look, a lot more look, going on than what's on the surface. I did it. a lot of work to not compare this show to other iterations of Spider-Man, yeah, <laughs> and it's blowing yeah. up in my face. <laughs> oh God. They really, they really pulled one over on me here. <laughs> hey, you know what I mean? That's cool. I'm glad that I'm glad you had that. Was must have been a fun experience then. It was. That, yeah. That's one of the reasons I really yeah. like this episode. Is it was an experience. You know, like mm-hmm. I thought something was going on. I was wrong about what it was, and that was fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It can be fun to have the rug yeah. pulled out from under you sometimes. And I'm, I, 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 I've said this before. Like I usually go into stories beginning to take anything at face value you know sure. what i mean like it's i i i'm willing to let that happen to me like i'm I'm okay being duped i don't need to figure things out so yeah um that's kind of just my mindset most of the time which makes episodes like this really effective it's one of the reasons i like unreliable narrative so much is because mm-hmm. i think it's fun to be like whipped around like that yeah yeah absolutely well, Spidey probably feels like he's getting whipped around because as soon as he unmasks in front of her, he starts feeling like head pain. Uh, so he grabs his head in pain and MJ asks all echoey, like, Peter, what's going on? And there's a whole weird like vision thing happening. Um, I think, doesn't it cut to commercial then too? Like you get a... Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, th- I did think that maybe stuff would begin to undo or something or that mm-hmm. things would like... I thought at this point in the episode, based on how much of the episode had existed, like this is where things would start to make sense but like from the the standpoint I was thinking, right? That like yeah. everything that was happening was happening, but there was just something I wasn't seeing yet. And part of it was that they cut to commercial right here. Right, right, for sure. So they come back from commercial and like he's okay now. And so Peter and MJ kiss uh, right as he's putting his mask back on. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, okay, I guess this is real. <laughs> right, right. Uh, they're kissing just in time for Craven to show up and attack. Uh, so Spidey kind of dodges a few of his poison darts, which Craven calls out as being like deadly poison from some deadly spider that kills other spiders or whatever. Um, so main thing, it's poison that will kill you. 
So Craven then grabs MJ, says it's his goal to see Spider-Man suffer, and then stabs MJ directly in the neck <gasps> with that poison. And she very quickly dies in Spider-Man's arms. Her last lines are just, Peter, I'm so happy. And they even kind of like turn her character model skin like a bluish tint a little bit as she dies. Yeah. Now, if, if, if you ask me at this point, if I was believing the things that were happening now, I will tell you, no, <laughs> absolutely not. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was willing to believe that in this in this series that they that I thought they were officially breaking away from the movie universe. Uh, I was willing to believe that he revealed himself to MJ much sooner than than you would expect was not willing to believe they were killing off MJ. <laughs> <laughs> All I could think of was your like thing where it's like, what if Mary Jane just runs off at the end of that episode and never comes back? I would have believed that more. <laughs> that's killing her. That's the problem with this episode. I love that the idea for this episode was like, what if we make an episode that makes just a little bit of not sense? And like then you have like a realization like, oh my god, I should have known because shit didn't make sense. No, shit's never made sense on this series. What are you doing? <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy <laughs> well and this this solidified it for me i was very suspicious when they killed her i was like that seems like a thing that's not really happening so i still wasn't sure exactly what right but now i went from i went from thinking that everything i was seeing was happening but i wasn't seeing everything to now like okay now i'm seeing things that aren't reality um, and it's the fact that days later, Peter visits MJ's grave in the episode <laughs> that I was like, what the fuck is happening on this show? What the fuck is going on in this series right now? Uh, oh, so now I had no trust. All my trust was gone. I trusted no one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and here's how this scene goes. Peter visits MJ's grave. Harry joins him and asks if Peter understands now why Harry hates Spider-Man. And Peter says, yeah, I do. I do get it now. And he excuses himself and nearly kills a spider, but instead just smashes a part of the walls of the cemetery stone wall. Vandalism, um, nice dude. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't dislike any of what's happening. Oh no, here. sure. I no, wish I'm, it were. I'm for... just making fun of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I just like it's 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 weird because it's like they're doing some of the most like emotionally effective stuff that they've done in this series, but it happens right after the point when I was like, this shit isn't real. This yeah. shit isn't real. <laughs> yeah. Like I love. I think there's something really, really good about Harry being like, now you get why I hate Spider-Man, right? And Peter, yeah. who is Spider-Man, being like, yeah, I do. I get it. I get why yeah. you hate him. I sort of get it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's like there's there's the aspect of it where it's like it's obviously real for Peter. So the emotions that he's feeling is real. But like you don't really know exactly who what's real for who. You know that there's something not real about this. But it isn't until like when you're in it, you're just sort of like, okay, when are they going to reveal that it's fake? Like, how are they going to reveal that it's fake? And I think it does kind of make it hard to like connect with mm-hmm. Peter on an emotional level, even though he is going through like a real emotional thing that you could theoretically connect with more than any other thing on this show. Honestly, we've really never had anything as intense, as intensely emotional for Peter as a character as we do now, technically, but like you're stuck as an audience member just being like, so what's really happening though? Yeah, this, I mean, I know that this is happening. What's so what's really on? happening? Yeah. So what's going on? So it's like impossible to like really connect with him when it is pretty important that like he's obviously reached a point where he hates himself. He hates his Spider-Man persona and he's like mm-hmm. full of this rage, you know? Yeah. 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 Well, here we go. Mysterious Frank Elson. 
Elson? Elson. I think it's Elson. Yeah. yeah. Iconic name right there. A man nearby watches Peter and asks if he wouldn't rather channel that anger, that stone smashing anger into revenge. And Peter says, I'd kill Craven if I had the chance. And the man's like, are you sure about that? Would you? Would you really do that? Do you really want revenge? And he just riles Peter up and Peter's like, yeah, yeah, I do. I really, really do. And then the guy's voice starts echoing, which is a, you know, if you hadn't caught on at this point. Um, (laughs) And each time, every time he asks him something, Peter agrees. Like, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to fucking kill that guy. And again, it's like, it's effective emotionally. But again, all I could think was like, what's happening? What's going on here? And then, then they kind of reveal it. They kind of pull the curtain back a little bit and say, hey, here's what we've been doing. Please clap. Yep, they do. Yeah, because suddenly Peter's suited up uh, and Spidey is just repeating revenge, revenge, revenge as the psychic Gaines twins are standing over him in the getaway van that we saw (gasps) at the beginning of the episode and marvel at their ability to have mind-controlled Spider-Man. I did. I I gasped. I was like, (gasps) because I didn't, I didn't, I knew something was up, but the extent to which things were up really surprised me. I was like, that Oh my ambitious. God. The, yeah. Cause I think that the whole there's... fucking episode and then you yeah. have to like trace back and be like, okay, so what happened in this episode? And then I had to keep going further and further and be like, no, that didn't happen. Fuck. No, that didn't happen. Right. Shit. None of that happened. <laughs> and I think, I, I think it's smart because you know, that can be annoying, but like none of the events that happen are significant enough for the characters really that it feels like you're really losing something or anything. Mm-hmm. It, it, and it puts you in the same place that you expect Peter to be next week. Once he inevitably like figures out that, that it was a dream because then it's just like, you are also, you are trying to parse through what was real and what wasn't as much as he is going to, you know, like, so you're going to yeah. start off the next episode in the same space that he is, which I think is pretty, uh, pretty smart. Like, yeah. I think, I think it's good. And it does set up, even though I like this episode, I think more than I like next week's episode, it does set up something I do like in Spider-Man stories, mm-hmm. which is Spider-Man acting out in a manipulated way of some sure. kind, whether that, and, and Spider-Man stories have done this a number of ways, right? Sometimes it's mind control. Sometimes it's amnesia. Sometimes it's literally just like a manipulation or like, you know, pulling one over on him or whatever the case may be. And so they take like one sort of uh, storytelling mechanic and they very seamlessly blend it into another storytelling mechanic that Spider-Man has used over and over in different ways. And I really like that. I like that. That's the dynamic of the two parter is like, okay, here was this whole big dream thing. And we're not just going to pull the rug out from you and say like, wasn't that clever? Like there's a whole second piece to it. That's like the consequence. Yeah. Talk about whether they pull it off or not. But yeah, yeah, (laughs) no, for sure. For sure. And I think there's also like, it is interesting again, it ends up not being what they were doing at all. But I do think it's interesting that like in a season that we have criticized for Spider-Man being like kind of unfeeling and like basically killing people, <laughs> killing villains that the finale ends up being predicated <laughs> on like, like, Oh my God, they're going to have Spider-Man directly kill someone in cold blood for revenge. But he's already kind of done this. So is the, sh- is this the, the show whole- like highlighting that or commenting on that and having Peter learn a lesson about that? That isn't what it is. But that's like, the whole it- problem. There's a the whole problem. Yeah. There's a the whole problem with they know they're doing something clever here, but the cleverness of this episode is entirely predicated on not having done any of the things they're doing in this on accident. And they've done literally everything clever in this episode on accident. 
already. <laughs> yeah. Or not even clever. Like you can't make a point about him killing villains and it being a big deal if he's already killed multiple villains. <laughs> yeah. And I will say too, the more I think about it, it is kind of weird like that in in the context of Peter's brain, the way that, that things went, like he really did go like obviously MJ dot like being murdered in front of him is a big deal and would affect him. But it does kind of say a lot for this Peter Parker that he pretty quickly is just like, cool, I'm going to get revenge. I am going to murder Craven in cold blood. That is what I'm going to do. And, and proclaiming that, that he wants revenge, yeah. that that's going to happen. I do think that that is an important thing to note that like this Peter Parker would set out, like if this happened in real life, if it wasn't a dream, it by all by all accounts, it seems like this Peter Parker would do would kill Craven in real life. Like, <laughs> yeah, these twins thought they were doing something, but really they could have just been like, "Hey, you want to kill this guy? He's bad." <laughs> and he probably would have been like, "I mean, I'll I'll think about it." <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a in a va- it works much better in a vacuum than it does yeah. in the context of the yeah. show. Unfortunately, M- most of these episodes do honestly. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, yep, that's a flaw of the show. Yep. Uh huh. <laughs> Yeah, so the reason that they did all of this, uh, that the Gaines twins implanted memories into Spider-Man to get him to hate Kraven and want revenge on Kraven is because they are carrying out revenge on Kraven themselves because Kraven killed their parents, uh, but was also ironically responsible for giving the twins their powers. So was Kraven in charge of the science stuff that, it was experimental on on their parents. Is that what they're saying? I I think the implication is that Craven is also KGB and was in some way involved in the experimentation on their parents. I don't know what the fuck that means. Their parents were. Yeah, I don't know. It's not explored at all. No, we'll not get answers. But I kind of like this. No, I no, lot. I think it's, I I think it's fine. <laughs> yeah, no, I I, I agree. I, it's it's funny how like how how unexplored that is. But like as a setup to have two villains hating another villain yeah. who hates Spider Man. For totally different reasons. And for the Gaines twins at this point, Spider-Man is just a pawn. They have nothing yeah. against Spider-Man. They're fully just using him for their own gains. It just so happens to be that the person they're against is someone that is already Spider-Man's en- enemy, literally just coincidentally. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that is really cool. They're just like, who who is more powerful than us? Like, who can take on this strong, super-powered guy? Oh, another super-powered guy. Like it's, yeah. I don't know. It's just, I, I really like it. Yeah, they're, think, they're yeah, really cool. boring villains, but they're utilized really well. <laughs> I think so too. At least in this one. Again, could have been, <laughs> in, in this episode. could have just been Mysterio, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> or literally like any spectacular Spider-Man villain. Cause they all hate somebody. They all hate another. They all have some grudge against some other villain in that show. It's sure. beautiful. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. The other thing, too, is that there is still real stakes other than just Spider-Man wanting to kill Kraven, because after he whips off uh, to, uh, you know, under their kind of command to seek revenge on Kraven, he uh, the twins dismiss the not fake Frank Elson <laughs> uh, yeah. that was in spider I think that they should have. Because they, they do explain it in the next episode. I think they should have just held it off until then, because at that point, it's very confusing and kind of like kind of blunts like the end of this. <laughs> okay. You'll have to remind me because I still am at the point where I'm like, so that guy was real. 
Why did they yeah. need a real guy? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I guess they, yeah, they don't really explain why they, they explain like who he is, but they don't explain yeah. why he was necessary. <laughs> right. Why did they need a real guy? It really yeah. was a bothersome for me. Cause I was yeah, like, you're doing, you're implanting fake memories or it's all subconscious anyway. So like, yeah, it, who, why does he I need to know. be a real man? <laughs> it, that makes absolutely no goddamn sense. Yeah. Yeah. That was very confusing. Um, for me it's very shouldn't shouldn't i mean it shouldn't have been here at all i I think that they i think that they plant him here because they do use him as a plot point later which i can appreciate i can appreciate that it just doesn't i think that if they were going to do that even if they were going to kind of cut those corners and it's sort of like why would they need the old man in the dream i don't know but i get why they want him there for a plot point they should have at least not showed him in this scene. That was useless. They shouldn't have done that because that just confuses you because it's nothing is touched upon until later yeah. in the next episode. Yeah. Regardless, okay, he's real and he's gone. Okay, fine. He like runs off terrified. The thing that's more important is that the twins ask their accomplice, accomplice where MJ is and reveals that she has actually been kidnapped and is being held to prevent Spider-Man from learning the truth that she is alive, um, which also means that, you know, she's basically their hostage as well. So mm-hmm. stakes are high. To yep. be continued. Dun, dun, dun. Real quick, a couple faces of the episode and we can talk about final thoughts. Both faces are like women screaming, oddly enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really like, I don't know why, because it's a quick cut. I just really like the first face of like the cop that was driving the armored police van. I think it's when the other truck crashes into it or is driving into it. They just do like this extreme close up of her surprised face. I think it's very funny. And if you like zoom into it, you can like see her teeth uh on the inside of her mouth. It's Uh very odd. (laughs) I, 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 it took me too long to identify. This was maybe a couple episodes that I really started noticing this and then couldn't stop looking at it. Mm -hmm. It took me way too long to identify how much I hate the way the show does teeth. Yeah. Just give them a straight bar of, of just white teeth. Like you, we don't need to see individual teeth on these character models. What are you doing? It's yeah, weird. Yeah, everything else is so simple. And then they, they like even... shade them too. Like so that they, they add like so much additional depth to these characters' mouths because they add shadows to their teeth. I'm like so why weird. are you doing this? And they're the only things on their faces <laughs> that are that detailed. Like yes. their eyelashes aren't, their eyebrows aren't, their noses aren't. Yeah. But their teeth, man. It reminds they got me, every molar there. It reminds <laughs> me of this detail. time in like third grade when we had to do self-portraits. And mm-hmm. I was like, I know what teeth look like, so I'm going to draw what teeth look like on mine. And it was the fucking creepiest shit I'd ever drawn in my life because it was like a bad drawing of like a kid's face with like far too realistic teeth. Like it was so (laughs) weird. And that's what the show gives me when they focus too much on teeth or when teeth peek out like this. Creepy vibes, man. Creepy vibes. The other one is uh, Mary Jane screaming as she's plummeting after having been pushed off a skyscraper by her superhero friend. Just plummeting for her death, plummeting to her <laughs> death, but for fun. It's fine. That's a look of fun, right? Yeah. I also love when you look at this frame, just how many like, like her necklace clipping into her skin. All oh the my weird- God, yep. <laughs> this is like a video the video we- game. The weird lines around her mouth. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's very. It also look- highlights the different way that they shade teeth. Why is it a smooth shade when every other bit of shading is like a cell shaded thing? I don't So strange. Understand. Weird show. Weird show. Very weird show. Yeah. You know what's funny about this episode? I also, I know you were talking about earlier about like, you can't compare it to other Spider-Man shows. Like you just can't. But I do think it's really funny that the Spider-Man show that comes directly after this, uh, the penultimate episode of the first season also 
predominantly takes place in Peter Parker's mind and is like a prolonged <laughs> fantasy sequence well, that then like infers what happens in the next episode. Different circumstances. Yeah. And but it's just kind of funny that both of them do that. But one does it is like one of this one of the best episodes of any Spider-Man show ever. And then this one is like a good episode, but um, for very like very different. Yeah, I appreciate <laughs> this. This so I, I you know I can put all these episodes in a tier based on whether I think they're good or not. This one is weird though because it's like this is an episode of this particular series that I appreciate in a very, very, very different way than I appreciate any other episode of the show. And it's purely the ambition of it. Sure. You know, they don't nail it, but I love the ideas and I I love the the ambition. And I think, yeah, if, if, if they had done it, you know, more effectively, or if they were a more effective (laughs) creative team in the way that spectaculars was, it was just such a tight, tight team. You know, this could have been an incredible episode but it just it's it's just a strange strange episode. I think it's more like I think it's fine to compare them. It's more just like I can I I guess a better way to put it is I got to a point where I stopped expecting things to happen in this show based on what happened in other shows if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I think um, that that's like no sense. character needed to be a particular thing just cuz like every other version of that character needed to be that. And then that should be the case for every show we watch and I think there's it's just more for me, for whatever reason, it was just like more required for this. What is that on this image, this Mary Jane image? What is this flesh colored blob by her foot? Is that supposed to be her? F- oh, is that her hand? Is that a finger? Is it a finger? Oh, no. Yeah, it's, a, it's her finger. It's her a hands blurred are, like, finger. Okay, sorry. I was like yeah. totally talking about something else. And then I just noticed it and got really uh, weirded out by it. Um but yeah, I, I love the swing. I really appreciate this 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 uh, episode, and I think anytime anytime I can identify what this show is trying to do, I'm already in a better place. And I feel like I very much know what this episode was trying to do, mm-hmm. and I think they got pretty far down the road on making it happen. Um, I honestly think this episode's biggest problem isn't even the things that happen in this episode. It's everything you've watched to this point that make this episode less effective. So the fact that so many episodes before this are so messy, all the intentional mess they put into this episode is completely neutralized (laughs) because I just thought it was status quo mess, you know? So it's a bummer. But luckily, we look at these things the way that we do, so I can at least recognize, like, okay, you you did these things on purpose, so you know, good job. Yeah, and, and I was I was so I was very like negative at the top of the episode, and I realized after talking through it, like, m- the majority of it really is from how it, how the stuff pays off in the next one. Like, this episode itself yeah. is a pretty good episode of the show. It is among the better the the best episodes of the show if i have to put um, it in a tier it's in my top tier it's, it's I think one so of the top too. four i think probably i think so too i think yeah it, it is it is very strong it's like i think in retrospect like how, like i said how it pays off i think makes it hard for it to not affect your perception of it because mm-hmm. obviously it's part of a two-parter yeah but when we're talking through it beat by beat like in as much in a vacuum as we possibly can or at least of the first 12 episodes not counting the next one it does a lot of really good stuff well and uh has a the story at at the point that it ends has a lot of potential yeah well you know what a weird thing about it is though right like because it's the first part of a two-parter with a a less impressive second part it like penalizes this episode a little bit but it also if this episode was purely its own thing it wouldn't really be that effective it really does rely on you knowing that more is coming oh so there is like kind of a weird like 
that's that's a thing to consider too, right? Like I'm giving it pretty high marks for what I for for knowing that there needs to be more of it. <laughs> and that's I don't know that that's any fairer than docking points for where it actually goes, you know. I think they're probably just two sides of the same same uh flawed scoring coin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah just another weird episode of this weird show yeah. really is what it amounts really to. really strange <laughs> really strange oh boy we're so close you know we are I so know. close yeah well if you want to get even closer to just us you know if you just Aww. want to be closer to our content closer to our thoughts uh, yeah, you would be. Uh, closer to more things that we cover uh, outside of cartoons. Uh, you can go to our Patreon and just get closer to us at patreon.com slash wallopingwebsnappers uh, and check out our Discord. Uh, that's uh, If we're talking closeness, that's probably the, the easiest way to get a hold of us. Uh, we're right there. You can just have a whole conversation with us in the Discord. Um, and there's a link for that in the show notes. And you can find me and Derek all over the place. Derek, where can people find you on the internet and uh, all the stuff you're working on. Sure. On the internet, you can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale. You can also find my podcast gimmicks, which looks at the high concept experimental structure breaking gimmick episodes of television with a new show and new guest every week. You can find that anywhere you get your podcasts as well as on Twitter and Instagram at gimmicks pod. What about you, Doug? You can find me on Twitter at Icky Bully, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. You can also find me on another podcast here on the Forward Reader Network called Victory Road. It's a Pokemon podcast. And if you like books and video games you can check me out on novel gaming a podcast about all the media i've been consuming with my friends katie and vicky if you'd like more from derek and me uh, you can check out our monthly podcast it's not a spider-man podcast it's actually a pixar podcast it's called falling with style it's an ongoing pixar movie marathon where we are watching every pixar film chronologically and our episode on the incredibles 2 is out now wherever you get your podcast visit us on our (laughs) website at walloping web snappers.com uh, and follow us on twitter instagram and facebook at walloping web pod or email us at walloping web snappers podcast at gmail.com please rate review and subscribe on all podcast platforms because if you like what we're doing here somebody else will too and they just haven't found us yet and those ratings and reviews make us easier to find so it's a really quick and easy way to say hey i like what you're doing and i want other people to enjoy it next week this series concludes in the episode Mind Games Part 2. One more. One more. One more. See you See then. Ya.